Um, but you know, one of the things that I love to do when I preach, though, is, is I love to try to get us all on the same level. Um, and because, man, we have so many differences, and, and we know that, and so often our differences are magnified, and, and they stand out, and all of those things. But, but you have a lot more in common with, with the people in this room, or if you're watching online, than, than you imagine. Let me, let me give you an example. We just finished up the, the month of March, right? So we we're just two days into April. How many of you, though, in the month of March would say that you had at least one bad day? Like one bad day, like all of us. Like, if you didn't, like, you're having a bad day today because you're lying in church. Like, I, but, again, all of us know what it's like to have a bad day. Uh, and nobody wakes up wanting one. For, for, for example, uh, we had a couple of band members that had a bad day this morning. Um, when, you, when you show up and, and you're wearing the same shirt as your 14-year-old nephew, like, that, like that, that's a bad day. I think Boston's actually 16 or something, maybe 17 even. I don't know. I just make stuff up. Um, but... But yeah, we know what it's like to have a bad day, but no, and nobody wakes up wanting one, right? You didn't wake up, man, God, I, just, I want a flat tire today. And God, like, I don't want a flat tire like in the driveway, but God, give me a flat tire as I'm on the interstate. That would be amazing. Or, or nobody wakes up going, man, God, I, no, I mean, nobody wants to wake up going, God, like my kid was sick all night. Nobody wants to, to get the phone call from an aging parent saying, hey, I went to the doctor and it didn't go very well. Like no one likes to have a bad day. But, but the beautiful thing about a bad day is like you can go to bed and you can wake up the next day and it's a brand new one. Exactly. Like which is great. Unless the next day is a bad day too, right? Like and then it turns into a bad week. Anybody ever had a bad week or a bad season? Yeah. Like, and for some of us, like that's been the, the last few years. We felt like it's just bad. And you can look back over your life and you think, man, I wish, or if I could go back and make some decisions differently, like I would have done that. Maybe you're in that season right now. I talk about a, I talk about a bad season. Think about our, our world right now. I mean, like, I can't even turn on the news without hearing, like, a war in Ukraine, school shootings, storms that are destroying things that are close to us. And everything just seems like it's getting crazier and crazier. And this is what I know about people that experience a, a bad day, a bad week, a bad season. Let's say you're in a bad season. I think there are about three words that would describe us. And the first one would be this, discouraged. Discouraged. Like there are people in this room or you're watching online and you're discouraged. And maybe, maybe you're discouraged because someone told you, hey, if you give your life to Christ, if you give your life to Christ, everything will just, is just gonna be better. And man, I wish that was true. Like I wish it was true that when you gave your life to Christ, everything just got better. But giving your life to Christ doesn't mean that. What it means is that you're going to be able to handle whatever the world throws at you, but it's not necessarily going to get better. Maybe you're discouraged because you thought that that person you were going to marry, like you're going to marry them, and all of your problems are just going to go away. How did that work out for you? Because listen, when one sinner marries another sinner, like it never equals bliss. What it equals is work. What it equals is effort. 
Maybe, maybe you thought, man, our, our marriage is struggling. Like, we'll just have a baby and that will fix everything. And then you discovered that demon possession is real when that little thing won't sleep at night. Like, there's people in this room, and you're, you're discouraged about the condition of, of the world, the, the condition of, of life. Maybe you're, you're discouraged spiritually because, because the church has somehow hurt you. And if you go to church for very long, it'll happen. Maybe, maybe here's another word, maybe you're stressed. And I'm not talking about the, the kind of stress like I get when I'm driving down the road with Jennifer. And I'm driving down the road, and she'll go, ah, because like, I never know what that means. I mean, because she found something really cool on Pinterest, or we're about to have a head-on collision. Like, I, I, I don't know, but it stresses me the heck out. That's why we drive separate everywhere. And, and I wish that was the only kind of stress that, that I experienced. But, but there are people in this room, and you are, you are legitimately stressed out. Maybe you're getting close to retirement age, and the stock market hasn't been very, very kind to you. Maybe you're in college and you have exams that are, are coming up right around the corner and you're stressed. Maybe you're a high school student and uh, you got SATs, ACTs coming up and you're stressed. Maybe, maybe you're stressed because financially you, you, you know you can't pay the bills this month. You're stressed. And I get it. Like, we live in a world that just kind of promotes stress. Or maybe one of the last words we'll look at today is, is worried. Like, maybe, maybe you're just worried. Like, there, there are people in this room, and you look at the condition of the world, and, and you're worried. And maybe it's, maybe it's not the world in general. Maybe it's just your world. And, and you're worried about what's going on in your world. And you'll meet some people in life that'll say, hey, if these three words, if those three words describe you, you must not be a very good Christian. But I'm telling you, being a Christian doesn't mean you will not face these things. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you will not get discouraged, worried, or stressed. But what being a Christian means is that every single time we can overcome them. It doesn't mean that it won't be a fight. What it simply means is that we win the fight. You know, I've been doing some, some Bible study over the past couple months a little differently than I have in the past, and I've really been trying to look at some of the characters in the Bible, uh, particularly some of the characters that actually wrote uh, some of what we have in the Bible. And over the past couple weeks, I've been looking at, at a guy named John, and John was, was an apostle uh, of Jesus. Now, Jesus had 12 apostles. Uh, one of them was named John. And John actually wrote several books in our New Testament. He wrote the, the Gospel of John. Like there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, he wrote three uh, epistles later on, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. And when, when Jesus met John, John was actually a fisherman. John and his brother James, they had a fishing business on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus approached him and said, hey, come follow me. And John made a really good decision at that point, to follow Jesus. In fact, he and his brother were, were pretty close to Jesus. Jesus gave them a nickname, the James and John. They were called the Sons of Thunder. And when I read that, like, I mean, like, that reminds me of WWF Tag Team Championship, like, group. Like, what a great tag team name. But that's what the name Jesus gave them, and, 
And James and John, along with Peter, uh, were, were among Jesus's inner circle. Now, he had 12 uh, apostles, but these three, James and John and Peter, like they were, they were closer than any of the others. There'd be many times they'd all be following Jesus, and Jesus would tell them, hey, you guys sit over here. Now, James, John, Peter, you guys come with me. And they would get to go and see Jesus do some amazing things. Um, and, and can you imagine just being these guys over here? Like, hey, man, do you, do you think he'll ever let us go with him? Wait, Thomas, what, what do you think? You think we'll ever get to go with him? I doubt it. Like, some of you will get that later, but it's funnier than you think. Um, but, but Peter, James, and John, like, they get to see Jesus. Like, they get to see him raise somebody from the dead. They get to go up on, on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and, and see this great thing that, that happens. Like, they got to see some really awesome stuff, and they were super excited about what, what was happening in the life of Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, right up until the time that he died. Like, that'll ruin your day. Like, when the man that you thought was going to be, be the Messiah, the King of Israel, like, John was at the crucifixion. Like, he watched Jesus died. And in that moment, he lost all hope. And, and you would have too. You know, we often read the scripture and, and we get to read the, the Bible with the benefit of hindsight. Like, how could they not believe the son of God? Listen, if I said, hey guys, here's the deal. This afternoon, I'm gonna die in a car wreck, but don't worry because I'm gonna be back to preach next Sunday. None of you are thinking, oh, our preacher is mentally stable. Like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's great. Josh will be here next week. Like, no, you're, you're going to think I'm out of my mind. Like, they didn't believe that Jesus was going to come back alive because they'd never seen anybody predict their own death, burial, and resurrection, and then pull it off. They didn't believe it. But then when Jesus rose from the dead, the women went to the tomb that Sunday morning, and they were like, hey, he's not here. And one of the angels said, he told you that was going to happen. And so the, the women, they run back and they tell the apostles. And, and I love that. Among them was, was John. And I, got, I was, thought it was funny. John, who wrote the gospel of John, for whatever reason, like he wanted us to know that this happened. I mean, we're talking about the resurrection, the most monumental moment in the history of the world. And John wants us to know this. It's in, in John 20, verse 3 said, Peter and the other disciple, John's talking about himself there. Um, he, he also referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved, which is funny to me. Like he liked the rest of them guys, but he loved me. But he said, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. Watch this. Like John in the Bible, he wanted us to know this. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Like John wanted us to know that he is faster than Peter. Like, that's funny to me. Like, Peter, like, nobody's memorized that verse, but John's like, hey, I want you to know, because if you ask Peter, he's going to deny it three times. <laughs> but, but I beat him. Like, I beat him to the tomb. That's all that matters. Like, I was the first one to get there. But, but what's even more funny to me, is, and John writes this, like, he got to the tomb and stood there. But Peter ran in, said, I won. Like, so it's kind of debated, like, actually, who, who made it first? But once Jesus rose from the, the dead, like there was this great movement that began the church. 
Like in Acts chapter two, we read that Peter would preach on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people would be baptized. In Acts chapter three, we read that, that hundreds and thousands were added to the number there. In Acts chapter four, we read that God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Like, so this is a great thing that's happening for 10, 11, 12 years at the start of the church. Like things are going incredible, especially if you're John, like you were the closest to Jesus, you're a leader in this movement. But then all of a sudden, things start to unravel for John. Like his brother James, probably his best friend as well. This is what scripture says happened to James in Acts chapter 12. It says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some of the believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. And the story just moves on. Let me pause for just a second. Because no matter how close you are to Jesus, when you lose your brother, that's a bad day. And I know. Like I've been around church world my, my whole life. I know all the Christian phrases that we use during funerals. Oh, don't worry. If they're with Jesus, that's wonderful. But listen, like I miss them. Like it hurts. Like and I know they're in heaven. But listen, it takes a while to process that grief. And John, though he was as close to Jesus, like this had to have bothered him. Not only was James martyred, but then not too much long after that, history tells us that Peter, one of his other best friends, was crucified in Rome upside down. That's a bad day if you start losing your friends left and right. Not long after that, in AD 67, we read that Paul was beheaded. Three years after that, in AD 70, we read that Jerusalem and the temple were completely destroyed. I guess it was like the religious epicenter of the world. And that the temple was, was literally destroyed and that would have impacted every Jewish person that was alive during that time. Then after that, within the next four to five years, at least six of the apostles Six of his closest friends would, would lose their lives as well. Now, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, man, it can't get much worse than that, can it? Actually, it can. They, they captured John, and they were, they, were, they were attempting to kill him. And the way they tried to kill him was that they boiled him in oil, and he survived. Like, I would have personally been like, hey, can we go for the beheading? I don't want to be boiled in oil. But he's boiled in oil. Like that, that's a bad day. Well, Christians don't have bad days. John was closer to Jesus than any one of us. And he got boiled in oil and didn't die. That's a bad day. And it freaked the authorities out so much that they exiled him to the island of Patmos, where he would write the book of Revelation. Isn't it amazing how, how God can bring incredible things out of the worst circumstances? I mean, if anybody on the planet had the right to feel discouraged and stressed and worried, can we all agree that John had several reasons? Yeah. John's got every reason in the world to feel discouraged and stressed and worried. He's lost everything. Like, he suffered immensely. He's all alone on, on an island. 
And some of you, you know what that's like to, to outlive all of your friends, to outlive all of your family, to just be alone. You know what that's like. But one day he takes out a pen and, and he starts to write. And I tried to do some research to find some exact dating of when he wrote his, his books and, and it's kind of all scattered. We know that Revelation was written on the island of Patmos because he tells us. We're not sure when the Gospel of John was written, between 55 and 96, people say. But it could have been while he was on the island. And he starts writing, and he he starts writing the the Gospel of John. And he doesn't even know he's writing the Gospel of John, because we didn't have a New Testament back then. What he's doing, he's just, I'm writing the story of Jesus. I mean, there's four stories of, of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so he starts writing the book of John, like a lot of times we read what, the, what these people wrote and we don't keep in mind who wrote the words. And that's how I've been studying the Bible lately is who wrote these words. But imagine John, he, he's an old man. He has seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst. And what do you think this old man would tell us about Jesus? Well, he gets to it pretty quickly in the the fourth verse of the very first chapter of the Gospel of John, and this blew my mind. After all that this man went through, this is what John said. He said, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Like, he didn't talk about his pain. He didn't talk about his his suffering. Say, oh, Jesus... Like, Jesus, this guy was, was, was life. You say, hey, before I met Jesus, like, there were days that I caught some fish. There were days that I didn't catch any fish. There were days I caught a lot of fish. Like, there were days that I had some family things going on. Like, there were all kinds of days. But when I met this man, Jesus, that's when I started living. That's when I saw blind people have their eyes open. That's where I, when I saw deaf people begin to hear. That's when I saw dead people actually come back to life. But John, what, what about the bad parts? Yeah, I know. I understand the bad parts, but, but man, in him was life. And by the way, that life was the light of all mankind. John would tell you before I met Jesus, you know what, everything was there. Like it was just kind of, it was kind of dark. Everything was, was negative. Everything was bad. But Jesus said, hey, but Jesus was life and and he was light. And he says this, the light shines in the darkness. He's not denying that there's darkness. He's experienced it. He said, oh, the the world's dark. There's some some dark stuff out there. Some dark stuff has happened to to me. Some dark stuff is happening in, in the world. John would say, man, there's some dark stuff that's happened in my life. But he said this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Like the light, it shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. This man who has suffered really as much as any person on the planet says, oh, this is what I can say about Jesus. Because of him, I have life. And because of him, the darkness, it has never defeated me. And if you're in Christ, like if you're in Christ, listen, no matter what happens to you, in Christ means that you have light and you have life in you. 
Not only will he, not only will he provide a way out, he will show you the way out. He will give you the light that you need. No matter how dark this world gets, at the end of the day, you know what? He reigns. That's what John would say. John, didn't you lose your brother? Yeah, it was awful, but he reigns. John, didn't, didn't you lose your best friends? Yeah, I lost all my best friends, but, but here's the deal. God's still on the throne. He reigns. John, didn't you, didn't you suffer? Didn't you get boiled in oil? Oh yeah, I did. But guess what? He reigns. And he would tell us today for the person in this room that you are stressed and you are anxious and you're just praying, God, I don't know how I'm going to, to, to make it. John would say, yeah, like I get it. I understand there were days that I had that I felt like that as well. But here's what you need to know, that he is life and he is light and in him the darkness will never overcome it because he reigns. John, I'm battling with an addiction. I've got this sin problem in my life. And, and John would say, yeah, I understand it. In him is light and life and he reigns. But man, I'm, I'm wrestling in my marriage. He would say, yeah, like I, I understand but put your eyes on Jesus because he is light and he is life and he reigns. Like there is nothing in this world that you can't overcome if Jesus is living in you and through you. He reigns. John would also write the book of Revelation. And then he would start the book by saying this. He said, this is a revelation from or, or of Jesus Christ. The one that is life and light he would say things like, grace and peace to you from the one who is and who always was and who is to come. And he's saying he's not going to be defeated. He would say this, that he is the firstborn to the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all of the kings of the world. What about, what about Agrippa who had your brother killed? And Jesus is king over him. What about Nero, who, who destroyed the city of Rome and, and burnt it to pieces? Yeah, like Jesus is king over him. What about Domitian, the guy who, who, who boiled you in oil and stuck you on the Isle of Patmos? He don't compare to Jesus. Jesus is the ruler of all of the kings of the world. Biden, Trump, whoever else is elected, he reigns. Jesus is the king of all. He would say this, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from, from the, our sins by shedding his blood for us. And John would say, I witnessed it. I watched him give up his life and shed his blood for us. And he says, hey, he's made us a kingdom of priests. So John, the temple was destroyed. Yeah, he, he made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. But John, things are so bad. I'm struggling, I'm suffering. He, he would write this to the church in Revelation. He said, I, John, am your brother and your companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Like, yeah, suffering, it's part of following Jesus. But I was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Because of Jesus, I was there. 
that you're not alone. And then this is my favorite part of the book of Revelation. Chapter 21, verses one through four says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. John will say, listen, I know there've been some darkness, but he reigns. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I asked the band to learn a, a new song for them this week. And it's a song that, that I heard at a friend's funeral about a year ago. Um, when we did it, it, I heard it at Ozark at the preaching teaching convention a few months ago. But as I was just looking at this sermon and, and looking at the life of Jonathan, man, John, John could have written a big portion of this song. Like, like he didn't, the song, it's called A Hymn of Heaven by Phil Wickham. But it says things like this, how I long to breathe the air of heaven. John said, yeah, like, I've seen it. Like, I, I, want, I want to breathe it. Like he said, where, where pain is gone. Man, like John would say, I've experienced some pain in my life. It hurts. But there's, there, there'll be a day where, where it's gone. There's no more pain or crying or, or mourning. So said, and mercy fills the streets. John would say, man, like I... I've seen the streets and they are golden. And there's not people protesting and rioting and picking, picketing. It's just full of, of mercy. Like there's no one fighting. John will say, there will be a day, listen, when all will bow before him. Everybody, every king, every, every ruler, every Herod, every Caesar, every president, everybody who's ever lived will bow before him. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online, there will be a day that we all bow before him. And says, so there will, death will be no more. I love this in Revelation 5, 11 and 12, John would say this. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000s of times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders and in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And the band's gonna lead us in this song and it's gonna be new for many of you, but, but it's easy to sing. And I wanna hear you in a loud voice singing those words when we get there. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And as we, we sing, we're gonna witness some more baptisms this morning. And we're gonna see God do what God can do, be life and light in, in the darkness of, of this world. And if you need to make that decision today, like we encourage you, we're ready. We've got shorts, we've got t-shirts. Todd will meet you right around the corner. Uh, maybe you're struggling with something today and you just can't seem to beat it. Like, listen, in Christ, there's life and light and he reigns. Father God, today we are thankful. Thankful that we have companions and brothers and partners in the suffering that we endure in this world. Thankful that we got to look at, at John this morning and all that he went through, but he, his words would be, he is life and he is light and he reigns. So Father, today I pray whatever's going on in any of our lives, that we would walk out of here knowing and being certain that Jesus reigns 
and that he will return. It's in his name that I pray.